0: Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny is joined by Kirsten Parsons Hathcock to chat about her new book, Little Voices, How Kids in Spirit Helped a Reluctant Medium Escape and Heal from Abuse. So tune in to hear a fascinating story about the power of our intuitive gifts and their ability to guide and heal. And now we welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And good morning. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I am your host, Sunny Joy McMillan. And we're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk 1150 AM KKNW, bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you create a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access those show archives. Those are found at 1150kknw.com. You can also find the show on iTunes and Podcast One. Um, So we're just going to dive right in today because uh, we have a guest that I know I'm going to want way more than an hour with. So (laughs) I'm going to, without further ado, read her bio and then bring her on. Um, I'm going to be speaking today with Kirsten Parsons Hathcock. She is an award winning self-taught carpenter and furniture designer and founder of Mod Mom Furniture, a kids furniture company featured on ABC's Shark Tank. So you might have seen her on there already. Um, She's also a TEDx speaker and intuitive medium who works for the National Institute for Law and Justice, helping detectives and families uncover truth in missing persons and homicide cases. In her previous work life, Kirsten was a staff writer for Northern Arizona University and TV marketing executive for A&E and the History Channel. An Ohio native, she now resides in Phoenix, Arizona with her husband, Scott, daughters, Natalie and Grace, and pup. Scout. Uh, We have uh, her website here that I'm going to read you and then I'm going to spell it out for you. Uh, It is KirstenHathcock.com. That is KirstenHathcock.com. Kirsten is spelled K I E R S T E N. K I E R S T E N. KirstenHathcock.com. And I'm so excited to speak with her because she has a brand new book that is not quite out yet, but it will be. And actually, I'm going to give you some details because if you do pre-order by September 9th, there are some amazing goodies you're going to get and be entered in a grand prize giveaway. Um, The book is called Little Voices, How Kids in Spirit Helped a Reluctant Medium Escape And heal from abuse Um, so as I mentioned if you pre-order it by September 9th you'll get a bunch of goodies and be entered in the grand prize giveaway and the official book release is September 20th so we're just gonna do a lot of fun lead up to this because I know in the publishing world that pre-orders really help an author and really help the book get out there to a wider audience so I love that I'm getting to talk to you uh, before the book is ever even released Kirsten welcome to the show
1: Oh, thank you so much, Sonny. I'm so excited to be here. This is such a thrill. Oh, absolutely. So I have to ask, because of the way that you uh,
0: came into my awareness is through a mutual friend and colleague. Um, Her name is Amy B. Scher. Now, she's been on the show, I think, three times. Um, I adore her work. Um, She has a series called How to Heal Yourself When No One Else Can. Um, And so she has it on generally, her first book, I think, was How to Heal Yourself When No One Else Can and has since released it on how to heal yourself from depression or anxiety, for example, when no one else can. And then she also has a fabulous memoir um, that she has been on the show to promote in past years. um, uh, This is How I Heal My Life. This is how I saved my life. I should have written that one down before. (laughs) Okay, so that's our connection. She reached out and said, I have someone that I really want you to meet. Her name is Kirsten Parsons Hathcock. She's got an incredible book coming out. How do you know Amy?
1: (laughs) I love Amy just as much as you do. So let me just first of all say that. Okay. So Amy and I met online like so many of us do. And we Mm -hmm. just started following each other on Instagram. And what was crazy about that is um, she has a cousin who unfortunately passed away. About, Mm -hmm. I think, 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, And she was killed by her boyfriend. And I didn't realize that that was, you know, when we were connecting on Instagram, Mm -hmm. it was the day of the anniversary of her death. And so I, you know, being a medium, which I'm sure we're going to get into, oh, yeah. I was kind of shocked, you know, to see Pam standing next to me and starting to pass messages. And I thought, oh, okay, I, now I know why this happened, because I just literally saw her on Instagram, and I thought, she looks amazing. I need to follow this woman. I love everything that she's doing. And, um, and she wrote me back and said, I'm really glad to be connected to you. Oh. And then Pam came. Pam came right in and started passing messages. So that's how we met. It was it was definitely not your normal introduction. That
0: is not what I expected to hear because I was thinking something around publishing or EFT work right. or mm-hmm. they. know, okay, of course it had to be serendipitous like that to relate. Yes. Well, and I, I also have to say as we kind of jump into this because I'll just say the name of the book again because I it really packs a lot of what we want to talk about today little voices, how kids in spirit helped a reluctant medium escape and heal from abuse. Um, so as I think my listeners know, who listen regularly, that my life is about to change in a big way uh, in the coming weeks, and I'm getting toward the tail end before this new chapter opens toward divinity school, and I have to say, you know, the what is happening with the show. I, I'm not going to say a lot about it now. I have a better idea because I don't want to take away from the time getting to talk to you. But I will be making an announcement about some changes that will be happening, and I just have to tell you, Kirsten, that. It feels so good to my heart and my soul. Sorry, getting a little emotional. This is a very emotional time in my life right now. But to be able to do a show because what you do, the work you are doing, the message you are sharing, and just the subject matter of your book is so near and dear to the heart and soul of both this being here and the show itself that it feels like such an honor and a privilege to have the opportunity to have a conversation with you um, as things really begin to change. it's. I mean, it's been seven years doing the show and my favorite subject wow. matter is exactly what you're doing. So <laughs> anyway, thank you for being a guest at this very pivotal moment.
1: Sunny, thank you. And <laughs> now I'm going to tear up. <laughs> that made me tear up. And also, I do want to just quickly say congrats. I am so excited for this next path for you. Well, thank I you. I just think it's amazing.
0: And lots of, yeah, you've got some new good things in the works, as do I. So I'm very excited for us both and excited to have this conversation. So let's dive into the meat of the... Okay, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, subtitle, Reluctant Medium is in there tell me what you mean by reluctant medium and how you even came to be one if you were reluctant.
1: (laughs) Sure. Um, Yeah. You know what? I was very, I should, it should have been very, very, very reluctant medium, honestly. (laughs) Uh, So I grew up in Ohio. My parents uh, are teachers. My dad was a football coach. I grew up in a very grounded house Mm -hmm. and I grew up in a house that, you know, we didn't talk about spirituality in this Mm -hmm. manner. Um, I occasionally went to church with my grandmothers when they would, you Mm -hmm. know, want to go to church with all of us but for the most part i grew up kind of having this this idea that there was something bigger than myself but really not studying any of it so mm. i was kind of wide open in a way which was good mm. uh, but at the same time i didn't believe in mediumship i did not believe in psychics um i very much was built on you know all of those midwestern values of mm-hmm. you believe in what you can see and feel and hear and uh, you know, that's it. You work hard, yeah. <laughs> you live a good life. And so that's that was my basis, you know, that, that was my foundation. Uh-huh. So for most of my life I didn't believe in any of this stuff. Um, right. and it wasn't until I turned 36 that my intuitive world started to open up and I started hearing and seeing uh children in spirit. Uh it's it was unbelievably scary and it was also kind of thrilling at the same time because you know, my life consisted of target trips and just a normal life, normal family life. So, yeah, I was very reluctant when this started to happen. I thought I was losing my mind. Well, one of the
0: things I love about this, because I want to actually ask you some questions about some of the specifics, because I found that really interesting when, when, you're, when this really started to open up for you. But, you know, there are some people that I interview that from the time they were a very small child, they were always seeing things that mm-hmm. other people could not, whether that was energy or being spirits. Um, but for you, I like this because... To me, it gives hope to those of us who want to have connection with those intuitive capabilities. But maybe we aren't one of those people that has had it Mm -hmm. dialed in since they were much younger. Um, And so for you, if it was 36, like that gives hope to the rest of us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, I will say that, you know, I I talked to elementary school friends and they will say you used to freak us out because you used to talk about seeing really like a man in the corner and I don't have any memory of that and so that's the you know that kind of ties into my childhood and what I endured I believe but I do know from a very young age I was highly sensitive sensitive to clothing sensitive to loud noises Mm -hmm. so my sensitivity level was there but I I honestly think that I was probably told so many times when I was very young that Mm -hmm. who I'm seeing and what I'm hearing is not real so why would I even you know why would I continue with that so I think it just it shut down and then it came back full force yes uh, on my birthday yeah
0: Oh, and again, that just, that gives hope too, that it can be, even if you had to shut it off for whatever reason, that you can turn the volume back up again later in life.
1: Absolutely. Everybody has this gift, honestly. And I know some of us are kind of dialed up a little bit higher than others. You know, you have the Michael Jordans of basketball, (laughs) so you do definitely have that type of, uh, you know, type of person in this world. Uh, You know, again, I didn't study it. I really have not studied it necessarily. I probably should. I could definitely hone, (laughs) uh, you know, hone my skills. But it, it meant, you know, it happened to me because I was open to it. Yes. became more open to it. And that was the key for anyone's listening. I just. That's the key for me. You just have to be open.
0: Yes. And I'm picturing you, you know, you write about at this time, Mod Mom uh, Furniture, you were creating these beautiful mid-century type toy boxes because you couldn't find what you were looking for to match. The decor in your house or have it be a cute toy box that really mm-hmm. fit with your aesthetic so you started creating them and that ended up becoming now i, I you know not to huge spoilers at the end of the book but a, a collaboration we'll just say with a legendary architect's foundation to yes. <laughs> create these yes but at Surreal. the time yeah oh <laughs> my gosh um Uh, Yeah, I have so many questions around that, too. But anyway, so it's hard for me to stay focused on one topic because I'm so excited about so much that you speak of in the book. But at this time, like this was many years ago and you're in your workshop and you said you began to to see things hear things that were unexplainable, like screws in your workshop were being moved from one place to the next that were not at all where you were putting them, or you were hearing voices, smelling certain things, there were moving shadows, the TV started turning itself on and off, and then you even began to see the children. And the part that I loved was your husband, Scott, saw mm-hmm. one of them too and was like, do you see that
1: being yes. <laughs> <laughs> goodness he saw yes it was it was very freaky so I you know I spent a lot of time in the garage and I think back you know when I when I look back on my life in that time period I think wow that was actually kind of a meditative Mm. state I was in every day I'm out there you know cranking out toy boxes banging away uh because it was just me yeah you know and I'm and I really think that that's also part of what helped me open up but it was also very scary because I would not only would I see, uh, what I see you know nails and screws moving, uh, but I would see people walk through yes. the garage, Yeah. and I would hear mom, but my kids weren't home. Yeah, uh, I would smell cigarette smoke, all of that stuff. So by the time I, you know, I think I had been seeing all of that probably for at least six months, yeah. and and very. I uh, trepidatiously saying to Scott, listen, I really, I don't know. Am I losing my mind? Like, is this the polyurethane that I've been breathing <laughs> in this garage for, <laughs> for how many years? And so, you know, he kept saying, no, 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 honey, you're not, you're not crazy. You're not, cra- I know you're not crazy. This is all, this mm. is leading somewhere. Yeah. And so that particular moment when we were laying, you know, lying in bed and he said, babe, do you see that girl in the corner? And I like my mouth dropped open. And I think I just hugged him for a very long time, because it made me understand that I wasn't going crazy. And he could see her too.
0: Yeah, that was another element of your story that really stood out to me. um, That is different than some of the folks that I've interviewed who are coming into intuitive gifts is that not only was your husband so not just Tolerant. I get that a lot in interviews. Yes. yes. <laughs> but actually supportive, encouraging, validating, and not just your husband, but the rest of many of the folks in your friend group mm-hmm. or your extended mm-hmm. circle of acquaintances. Like when these things started happening, they, you became the Scooby Doo gang, I think is how yes. you put it in the book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, we did. We were definitely the Scooby-Doo gang, you know. And I won't lie, we definitely did have, you know, there was a group of friends that pretty much dropped us cold mm-hmm. and hard okay. when this started to happen. So yeah. we definitely had people in our lives, and you know, there were de- and there were moments where Scott was, I know, thinking, uh "What did I, you know, what yeah. did I get myself yeah. into here?" <laughs> like, like this isn't, this did not come with the marriage book, right? Yeah. So that was one of the things that you know, I'm sure he grappled. Grappled with for a little bit, but then once he saw her, it was yeah. a game changer. Yes. And then he was, you know, completely all in. Yes. But yeah, I'm so lucky that I have support that way yes. in my group and my family.
0: Well, um, I want to read a quote. This is from, uh, while well, this is happening, and you're, mm-hmm. I think, wondering why are these children showing up why are they speaking to me what am i to do with this around that same time you made a visit to an intuitive and i'll just read what she said to you Um, you will help millions of kids in fact you will help people all over the world but you have much healing to do first your life has always revolved around children others your own and finally you even built a business around kids you're very good at making things happen outside of yourself but you've not yet gone inside to heal you have gifts like I do, but you won't have a shop like this. You'll use yours in different ways. So she says that to you. And then, mm-hmm. you know, what happens from there?
1: Well, it was so um, I will say that when I walked into that psychic mm-hmm. shop, I still was not a believer. Yeah. But during that time period, I was just feeling off. You know, mm-hmm. and I and, and I describe it in the book as feeling gray. Yeah. Like everything should have been super, super colorful in my life. And every day I should have been waking up feeling like, yay, you know, <laughs> I'm here and this is amazing. And I just wasn't. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to walk into this woman's shop because I pass her store every day when I take the kids to school. Yeah. And um, I almost left. I walked mm-hmm. in and I almost left. But she mm-hmm. said things prior to giving me that information that she couldn't have known. right? And that was the key. It was the evidential messages that helped me then open myself up to what she was saying. But also, you know, I walked out of there with mm-hmm. that messaging going, okay, what do I have to heal from? Um, how am I going to help millions of kids yeah. because I'm making high-end toy boxes in my garage? You know, <laughs> it yeah. just a, none of this really computes. Yeah. So I, you know, I tried not to think about it, but I also mm-hmm. kept it in the back of my head
0: yeah and and then also, as this is happening, because it became clear that most of the kids that were coming to you were victims of uh, sexual abuse, uh, were murdered, uh, were had very uh, open cases in terms of law enforcement, like unsolved mysteries here. and you yeah. started to work with detectives. Uh, in terms of providing information on some of these cases. And I know you can't go into great detail Mm -hmm. because these are real cases and there are leads that are being followed because of what you're providing. But can you speak to a little bit about how that shifted things for you when you started working with detectives in a very professional way?
1: Yes, absolutely. So here I was, this furniture CEO, right? I had been on Shark Tank by that point and one so <laughs> And one yay <laughs> yes and that's a whole other exactly story. But it was um yeah so I went on Shark Tank I was this furniture CEO I had been channeling from the time I saw Sophia the psychic uh I had been channeling children for about a year I think mm-hmm. before Mm -hmm. before some of the kids came in who had been murdered by predators Mm -hmm. and uh but what i did notice as i started to look at the pattern is that many of them had been sexually abused in their lifetime uh, even if they were not murdered Mm. if they had died from other means so uh there was a pattern there so i start to notice this pattern and i believe that you know the universe puts you like amy Mm -hmm. like you connects you to the right people. Yes. And I was absolutely connected to the right detectives. Yes. Uh, because as the kids are coming in and they're giving me information, they're asking me to please pass information to their parents, to law enforcement, because of the nature of their deaths and questions that were still unanswered. Yeah. Um, so I was very lucky. I ended up finding, uh, there was a, a detective in California mm. uh, that I've worked with. There's a detect- two detectives in Chicago that I've worked with. Um the detective in new york is the most vocal. I don't talk about the others very much. Yeah. Um I don't give away their identity. Yeah. But Mark Pucci is very vocal and he and I started working together not even based off of a kids uh kids case. It was actually missing missing persons case in new york city. Yeah. So he was a uh, retired NYPD detective. Yes. And private detective and we both offered we volunteered our skills, I guess, on a missing person's case.
0: Yeah. And I, I, you write about the book, you know, and kind of feeling not as sure-footed as you do now, but Mm -hmm. having Mm -hmm. these detectives coming to you for information or partnering with them, that had to, it seems like that had to give you a certain sense of confidence to continue and really continue to trust your intuition.
1: Absolutely. You know, even today, so I've been channeling for Twelve years now, I think, if I'm doing my math correctly, yeah. uh, and even today, I'm still, I still question, yeah, sometimes, and I, and I'm still amazed by how all of this works. Yeah. So to have their, you know, their support, uh, is it's just unbelievable. It was such a confidence booster, yeah. It was absolutely what I needed. Even to be able to then understand, well, why are these kids coming to me? Yes. You know, I needed to believe in myself first before I could understand why.
0: Yes. So, <clears throat> this portion of your life around mm. bringing through messages from um, kids who have been abused, murdered, etc. Mm-hmm. That's enough for a book. Yet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. story takes such an intimate and personal twist. To your own life journey, like it just the way that all the pieces come together is is just uh, um, beyond the synchronicity that I think I can even get my brain around. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you speak a little bit to where this journey led you in terms of your childhood, and then mm-hmm. what happened as an adult? Like basically Absolutely. the the what the intuitive said that you have your own healing to do. Yes. Holy moly. Did you ever?
1: Did I ever? Yes, yes. so holy let, moly.
0: Let's go there. Oh
1: my gosh. I'm gonna go there right okay. now. So so uh, the kids come in, I'm channeling for two years, I have all of these cops mm. around the country. I'm feeling pretty confident mm. about that piece of my life, but I'm also still pretty private about it because I didn't I didn't come out talking about it in great detail because I didn't want it to hurt my family or my business, right? Um, but I still wondered that whole time, well, why are they coming to me? Is it because I'm a goofy mom? Is it because I make kids' furniture? Like, I don't quite understand why. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after having that experience and having faith in my intuition, one day I started having visions of myself at the eight, between the mm-hmm. ages of three and six. Mm-hmm. And, I, and my subconscious was basically releasing memories of abuse I endured as a child that I didn't remember. Yep. And I, it was shocking. It was absolutely shocking because I was very much used to seeing hard stuff Mm -hmm. pertain to other kids and other, but, you know, to see your own face, to see a child from the back and then to see them turn around and it's me. Mm. um, I can't even tell you, you know, how knee buckling that was. And to understand that it was actually my, a distant uncle who abused and raped me during that time period. And the abuse ended when I was six
0: and so i just i want to also uh well martha beck who is one of my i I say this often on the show teacher of my heart in this lifetime she too once she became an adult and started Mm -hmm. working uh in a classroom with survivors of sexual abuse all of a sudden her memories started flooding back and it was also it explained a lot of things and the reason i bring this up is because you i believe had a similar physical experience Martha Beck had had uh, a lot of vaginal scarring that was very unusual for being a virgin, which she yes. was, and the it it made sense then why she had so much scarring down there um yes. and then it came back with the memories and it was it was flooding for her. it was oh. incredibly traumatic. It was her father who had perpetrated oh, the abuse. She writes oh. about this in in uh, leaving the Saints, uh, one of her okay. books, so I'm not sharing anything that's not public knowledge already right. but I just want to, this is not unusual for this to happen. And I think our understanding of the psyche is beginning to reveal, you know, that, that our beings are so beautiful and complex that they mm-hmm. keep us from the things that would be too much for us. And Absolutely. when we are ready, they can Absolutely. be released. So do you mind speaking to that a little bit? Because you also yes. had physical evidence that all of a sudden made sense. Um, I did. Yeah.
1: I did. Thank you for mentioning her. And I'm going to read her book. Yes. Um, she sounds like an amazing, amazing person. Yeah. I had very similar experience. I ended up having to have vaginal surgery when I was 19. Mm-hmm. Didn't understand why. Thought it was congenital. Mm. I get pregnant uh, in my early 20s. And I remember the doctor saying I, I said, I think I had a septum or something in my mm. vaginal canal, uh, and which is why they had to remove it. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, well that generally, then you would have a septum in your uterine. That's somewhat Mm -hmm. common to have that. So let's go ahead and do an ultrasound. No septum in the uterine, you know, inside of the uterus. So I knew, you know, there was that, this Mm -hmm. was a long time. This is 10 years before I I even started channeling, but that stuck in the back of my head. I had all of these, um, all these pockets of, you know, my childhood that I can't remember. Yes. And so all of those things, you know, really when I look back, I could connect all of the dots. Um, uh, but the scar tissue was the vaginal surgery. Um, mm. I, you know, even being intimate with people, I would just sort of lay there. You know, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't the least bit active, as right. if I was programmed. Yes. But I didn't know why. Yeah. Um mm. a very modest. I know sometimes survivors go one way or the other. I went the modest route. Yes. Extremely modest. So, all of those things started to come flooding back to yes. this, you know, my, the top of my mind. And during the same time period, my husband and I, when we were intimate, I would start to have panic attacks Ugh. and I had to push him off of me. Yeah. And of course, that was devastating for him. And I felt horrible, but I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. And so, that was, you know, actually a precursor to the visions coming yeah. was my physical reaction of a panic attack which yes. I think is really interesting.
0: Absolutely. The body is so amazing in terms of uh, mm-hmm. it's. And I know that's, a, I also feel like a theme in your book is that you not only were consciously aware of these things happening, but your body was also sending signals, not just about yes. revealing the abuse, but also in terms of verifying intuitive messages that you were getting. You would get, for example, chills on one side if a mm-hmm. spirit had passed through to the light chills on the opposite side if they had not. I just think that's so interesting. Your body was such a huge component in all of this.
1: Yes. And it still is. That's what's really fascinating. I still, you know, I I rely on chills quite a bit. I will say that when I was, you know, the next part of my life, because you were Mm -hmm. asking about that, what happened in adulthood, um, I, you know, after I found out about the uh, childhood abuse, I thought maybe I could just just check boxes. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I'm going to go to therapy. Check. Okay, good. I'm good there. Uh, (laughs) Hypnotherapy. Let's try that. Okay, check. And Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I wasn't checking all of the right boxes by any means, because I really wasn't, I I couldn't access the subconscious. I really wasn't going there and dealing with these feelings. At the same time, I had the perfect storm of loss of job uh, we had some really rocky moments in our marriage, uh, yeah. a lot of financial issues. Um, Scott fully admits he was kind of the Peter Pan syndrome guy. Yeah. He liked to run around and fly around and do fun stuff. And I was the one at home kind of keeping everything going. Yeah. And so by the time all of these memories came out, you know, and I'm working on murder cases, it's yeah. a heavy load. Yep. I didn't understand, though. That I was going to, like a lot of survivors, have a tendency then to recreate the abuse that I endured as a child. Yes. Not you know unknowingly. Yes. Called wounded attachment, and that's exactly what I did because I then ended up falling in love with a predator, mm. which is so incredibly full circle. Of course, I didn't know he was a predator at the time, nor did I know he was abusive, but I just went head first into this. Yeah. Uh, it was so uncharacteristic of me, uh, but I was also kind of at my breaking point. Yeah.
0: Um, so I want to go deeper into what exactly happened when you, and when you read the book. Mm-hmm. This this section of the book of your falling in love with this gentleman named Tony, and then having an affair with him and mm-hmm. ending up mm-hmm. getting separated to be with him all along the way, like when you, what you can just see in the book, I'm like, even I, who did not know you before, it's mm-hmm. like, this isn't her. Something yes. is happening. This is, yeah. this is, there's something else at play here. Yes. Um, And can, so can you speak to a little bit about what the experience was like for you? Because I'm, I'm, I, I want to know your story, but also I want people who are out there listening to know some of these red flags that perhaps you ignored, Um, That if you'd listened sooner, it wouldn't have gone to the extent of the abuse that you ultimately faced over several years with this predator.
1: Yes. Yes. No, thank you. I appreciate Mm -hmm. that. And I want listeners to know this too. So, and it's really, truly one of the reasons I wrote the book, Mm -hmm. uh, because I do believe intuition, obviously it saved me and we'll, we'll get to that piece, but it also was what I ignored. Yeah. So when I first met Tony, he was extremely charming. You know, all of the sociopathic Mm -hmm. predators are. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was at a breaking point. I was at a very low point. And he swooped in and did everything Mm -hmm. right because he had already found out a lot of information about me. So unbeknownst to me, he was actually grooming me in all of the ways that I was groomed by my uncle. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of parallels there that I did not see. Yeah. Um, I was definitely, I, you know, I was in a different mindset because I was in a panic mode yeah. and I was also unbeknownst to me at the time being sort of led by little Kirsten. Yeah. And so like everything about me switched. I met him a week later, I come back and I tell Scott, I'm done. We're done. Like, I'm just done. Now we had had a lot of issues in our marriage prior to that and a lot of stuff that we never really addressed, but I- That's so that's just not that's not like me, you know, Uh, and he he just sort of appealed to little Kirsten because he was my uncle and some of the red flags that I will say once I you know, the first three months right of of most relationships are honeymoon like Mm -hmm. the endorphins are going like crazy. It's like, you know, you feel like you're you're uh, addicted to them. And so the first three months were fine. Fourth month, I noticed Mm -hmm. that he was starting to say small, like kind of slightly controlling things. Mm -hmm. But because he had groomed me to, to feel like he was my soulmate, you know, he was using all the lines that, that predators use. I felt so open with him to Mm -hmm. tell him anything and everything, all my deepest, darkest secrets. And then he would say, you know, it looks like you're kind of, you have a lot of eye contact with men. Do you know that? And I'm like, do I? Oh my gosh. Is that a bad thing? I mean, I've always taught, I was always the person that was taught to look people in the eye. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a sign of strength. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not a good thing. So he slowly uh, conditioned me, basically. Mm-hmm. And I, during those time periods when he was doing that type of stuff, there was a buzzing sensation that I would feel on my right hip. Mm. So as you were talking about Mm. the physical aspects and physical intuitive hits, that was one of them. Yeah. And I didn't understand what it was for like a year. But finally I started to recognize that it was only when he was yelling at me or being extremely jealous or controlling that that buzzing sensation would come. And that was little Kirsten.
0: Yes. So how did the situation end up escalating into ultimately – you taking back control of who you are in your life.
1: So I spent three years with this man. We Mm -hmm. built a business together. Scott and I separated, but we never, we never filed paperwork and we were always Mm -hmm. very still. Uh, There's a lot of love and a lot of respect between us. Mm -hmm. Um, He knew that this was, I think intuitively he knew this was part of my journey, but also he knew there were things that he needed to work on because you know he didn't realize how much codependency there was on his end as well right yeah. so all of that's kind of happening uh it escalated to the point where i had to get a restraining order yeah um the cops were called to my apartment once because he was screaming at me mm-hmm. and the, i didn't call them uh an apartment one of the apartment neighbors called yeah um it it got insane yeah i was a shell of a person i my hair was falling out i was smoking two packs of cigarettes a week, just to cope with all of this stuff. I'm still trying to be a good mom. You know, I still kept that relationship with my kids. Um, but it was just a nightmare. Finally, finally, thank God. Mm. It it almost felt like taking a needle out of my arm is how it Mm. felt. And because I didn't realize that I was addicted to the ups and downs, like the biochemical addiction that happens when you're in an abusive relationship, you are stuck in that cycle of abuse. I, I tried to leave seven times And the only reason I finally got out is because he actually ended up moving, he's from the East Coast, so he ended up moving back East, due to a job situation. Um, But I, I started to become kind of vocal about what we had gone through, and he was, you know, he was slandering me and saying all kinds of awful stuff. And I thought, I hate, you know, I hate this, this is not me. I need to stand up for myself and I just need to kind of tell the ugly truth. And a woman wrote to me Mm -hmm. and I didn't know her. And she said, I have been with him. Mm -hmm. And it was recently. Now, Mm -hmm. prior to that, he's telling me, I'm waiting for you to make all these changes. You're Mm -hmm. the love, but this is all on you. You're Mm -hmm. the love of my life, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And so the minute I got that message from her, it kind of woke me up. It pulled me out of this abyss you know that I was it gave me a chance to climb out of the abyss I guess and take the blinders off yeah. and I soon realized that he was using all the same lines everything was the same yeah everything from babe you know calling whoever he was with baby mm-hmm. ultimately oh gosh I think I'm up to 20 women now from all over the world started writing to me to tell me he did this to them And thanking me for talking about it because they couldn't talk about it. Many of them were married. It was very similar. Many were childhood Mm -hmm. sexual abuse survivors. Um, He was kind of that Tinder swindler, Dirty John character that none of us really suspected. Yeah. And I I
0: just, I think it's so interesting. Your book is titled Little Voices. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that really stood out to me is once you tapped into your intuition and started listening to these little voices from the children, discovered your own childhood abuse, Mm -hmm. and then, of course, had the uh, narcissistic, sociopathic abuse from this gentleman, Tony, you could have stayed quiet. And it's like the little voices of the children became your big voice. And you started to speak out because some people would take that childhood sexual abuse and not tell any family members or some people would suffer the abuse that you did with the partner, Tony, and, Mm -hmm. and not say anything out of shame. And you, Mm you, I'm, you came out swinging.
1: (laughs) 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 Yes, I did. I, um, you know, I still felt all of that shame. I still do. You know, there's, there, obviously if I could have done it differently, I would have mm -hmm. on many fronts. But I also understand that this was likely something that was planned for me to go through, and uh, in reconciling both of those things, you know, as a woman who's talked to people that are on the other side, that's been kind of interesting. But I will say, um, you know, as I'm getting all those messages from all of those women, Mm
0: -hmm. because you spoke out,
1: because I spoke out, Mm -hmm. right? I was I was so thrilled to hear more of those little voices in spirit, Um, because in the very beginning. They couldn't tell me what this was, yeah. but about six months in, Jason, who is one of my, he's a guide for me and he's around me all the time. He is a, he um, is a,
0: a child who passed over, who has been with yes, you. Yes. For... He was actually,
1: yes, he was actually, um, in his early twenties when he passed from oh. heroin addiction, Okay, but I thought it was really interesting. Cause he, he would pop in and he would say, this isn't what it seems, but he couldn't tell me because we have free will, right? We yeah. have free will. I could have stayed in this relationship and died. If I wanted to, you know, um, and, and many do, many want to get out, but it's so hard to get out. Like I, and we're so tough as a society on survivors, um, abuse survivors, like we, we somehow flip it around and make it like, it's all their fault. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I think, um, you know, having these voices, these little kids who hear, I thought I was just helping them. They are turning around and helping me. And they're saying, get the restraining order. You know what this is. Um, pick yourself up by your bootstraps Kirsten you have this so I was getting a bunch of feedback throughout the three years but right towards the very end is when they came in full force yeah and uh and literally said another a new child came in and said we've been waiting for you that stood out as
0: well when you Mm. bravely not just that doesn't even that's an understatement just heroically ended this cycle of abuse within your own family, and yes. with him, yes. things really started to fall into place for you. And mm-hmm. the kids came back in like full force, lining up, and we're like, "Okay, we've been waiting, we're She's ready!" Hey.
1: Yes, yes, because uh, you know, a few of them stuck by, obviously, um, and they were meant to. They yeah. are my peeps, you know? yeah. Uh, but there were, you know, I noticed that when I was with Tony those three years. kids backed off i wasn't Mm -hmm. getting as many you know kids coming in and sharing messages um and it was very very noticeable so i yeah i was just you know so relieved because of course in the beginning he was very very complimentary of Mm -hmm. that work that i do at the end when that you know as they do when they're just beating you Mm -hmm. down verbally um, i can't believe that you do this i can't believe that you would hurt grieving parents this way you're crazy. You're a thick brick. I mean, I heard everything under the sun. Yeah. Um, and so that, you know, to know, I had the support of those kids that I've, I know they came to me for help, but I would, you know, they were also helping me. That was just unbelievably full circle.
0: Uh, it, and, and you alluded to there, you mentioned this a moment ago, and I just want to, mm-hmm. uh, come back to this. Um, let's see. Uh, There was a note, and I think this one was from Jason, and it said that your phone opened to this note. That was many Mm -hmm. notes. like You know how on your phone it will open to the most recent one, but this one was like a past several years ago note. But he writes, uh, Kirsten, everything you're going through was laid out long before you were born. You will be a conduit for others, but not until you're healed or on your way. This is still tough for you. So I would love for you to speak to, you know, you write that healing from this abuse was the hardest thing you've ever done, but Mm -hmm. you acknowledge that this experience, all of it was part of a bigger soul plan. It's very Mm -hmm. hard for someone in my shoes to say, oh, someone who experiences what you did is part of a soul plan. So I love being able to talk to someone who can say who's been through it and and feels that way. Can you speak Mm -hmm. to that element of it?
1: Absolutely. And I don't understand everything. I'm gonna, just going to throw it up that yeah. out there. Um, I don't necessarily know how all of this soul path stuff works. Mm-hmm. I believe that I could not have avoided him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, you know, had I not met him when I did, I would have met him in a different form, probably, mm-hmm. or um, at a different time. Mm-hmm. Because I do believe that my soul said, all right, this time around, I'm going to come in. And I'm going to experience these things. Yes. And then I'm going to talk about it and write about it. Um, and so you know, from that standpoint, I can wrap my head around it. Uh, but healing, you know, it helped to actually understand that piece. You know, when I'm hearing Mm -hmm. Jason say that, it did help me heal Mm -hmm. because I was able to say, Oh, good, okay, all right. Maybe I could have shortened it. Maybe I could have done things differently. Mm -hmm. Maybe it would have only a three month thing and not a three year. But that there was an element there that I, I definitely had to go through. I mean, the the intuitive hits were so loud. I knew I had met him before. You know, I, yeah. I felt like I had met him before, that we knew each other. So when he's saying things like, oh, my God, you're my soulmate. I've been looking for you my whole life. It felt like that. Yeah. I'm getting head-to-toe chills the way I would get when spirit walks in the room. Um, And I've wondered, you know, I've asked myself, were, were those warning chills? Or were those actually, like, go-forward chills? Yeah. And so to have Jason then come in three years later and validate that no, we had to hit you over the head. Like you got hit over the head. Yeah. In order to move forward through this because otherwise you wouldn't have you wouldn't have done it, you know. You wouldn't have gone and left your marriage after knowing someone for a week. Exactly. And endured what you did. So I, you know, I don't know if that helps explain it at all, because it's so hard to wrap my brain around because I don't, it doesn't condone abuse. I think all of that is horrible. I also think that we do have souls and, you know, that come in like you Mm -hmm. who are coming in to share really important information Mm -hmm. and, you know, stuff that is moving us forward. Yes. Humanity, you know, humanity wise and uh, collective consciousness and all of that. So, you know, I, I feel like, I can equate it to that. Like, I knew I had to tell my story in this way, and I needed to help these children. And then, you know, I know your path is this path, which is beautiful.
0: I couldn't agree with your how you view things more. I mean, that's exactly my cosmology and and, and, and brings such to me greater meaning and purpose to the things that we experience in a human life that are traumatic. Mm -hmm. And I think particularly with you, I love it when it seems like someone came in to be um kind of on the leading edge of a movement or of a a type of thought and mm-hmm. i was just i heard a statistic the other day that we take it for granted you know that that domestic abuse you know It's mainstream in conversation now to talk about it that the resources are out there for women to take advantage of. We know that it's not okay. We're no longer telling them to go home and just cook a better dinner because it's their fault. You know, and the first like women's shelter, I think, was established in 1975. That is not that long ago.
1: It's not.
0: And that's straight up physical abuse, um, which Mm -hmm. I, you know, you hear from some experts and survivors that the physical abuse is far less long-term damaging than the emotional and psychological abuse. I can't speak to that, but I've heard Mm -hmm. that before. Mm -hmm. And it just makes me think that in your case, we are just now beginning to understand the abuse that happens when a person is romantically or familially involved with a narcissist, a sociopath, or a psychopath. And the fact that you are bringing light to a very specific and real type of abuse that has its own path of healing
1: and recovery, Mm -hmm. that's huge. Yes. Yes. (laughs) No, thank you. I mean, I I agree. And honestly, I wrote the book and, and I've been vocal about this because it's something that I wish I would have known. Yeah. And it's something that there's, I can't tell you how many women have written to me privately. To say oh my gosh i've been through this i've watched my daughter go through a relationship like mm-hmm. this which was heartbreaking i'm you know fingers crossed this that was the last relationship she will ever have mm-hmm. uh where there were hints of that of what mm-hmm. i endured uh, it is rampant mm-hmm. and we don't talk about this as much as we should uh from a okay you know what are the signs to look for yes um, when they start saying they love you right away you know what are the grooming techniques when they morph kind of into who you are like oh mm-hmm. i have childhood sexual abuse in my background too you know and in yeah you know i almost want to say to people you know what yeah definitely just get that you know get that um background check done <laughs> <laughs> That's that's kind of a good thing to, you know, I don't want to make anyone paranoid. But honestly, this is something that I see with a lot of young people are writing to me. Yeah, Um, women of all ages who have lived through this. Mm -hmm. And there's so much shame wrapped around it. And I think that's why we don't talk about it as much as we should.
0: Well, and even in your case, I think, you know, you laugh when you say get the background check, but I know there's a huge element of seriousness in that because mm-hmm. in this case, mm-hmm. this this guy was not uh, an, uh, an unknown quantity completely. He was introduced by mutual friends, got glowing yes. reviews from some of the people who clearly – that's how sociopaths work. They are very charming uh, to the yes. people who are not in their inner circle. Uh, yes. Yeah, they know what to do. And so this even in this case, he came with like a recommendation. You, you theoretically would yes. think you could have trusted him. So a background yes. check might have... It surely. would have revealed some yeah. things. Yes, yeah. it would
1: have. And, you know, that's exactly it. Because I know a lot of people will meet nowadays, right? Everyone's dating mm-hmm. online and people will meet uh, strangers. But because he was in a circle of friends that I did love and mm-hmm. trust. I just opened myself up Yeah, and thought, well, he must be a good guy. I can trust him, you know? Well, speaking
0: of this, because this is something that, that is a part of the book, um, let's talk a little bit uh, about some of the other signs that maybe we haven't really um, gone into. Because there were a couple okay. more things I wrote down. Um, y- y- just, I, you have mentioned this before, but I just want to, reiterate mm-hmm. often victims of this type of abuse are childhood abuse survivors and many are incredibly intuitive you wrote
1: yes yes this is what I'm finding and you know many um I, I obviously you, you touched on it earlier I absolutely believe that repressed memories, it's a real thing. Yep. I know it gets a bad rap in psychology. I think we are starting to sort of understand more about the psyche and how our brain protects us. Mm-hmm. But what I'm finding is that, you know, if you don't know that you've had childhood wounding to a level where your brain protected you and hid it from you, yeah, yet 80% of our behavior is driven by the subconscious, yeah, then you're literally walking around not even consciously understanding what you're being attracted to, why you're doing the things you're doing. And so, you know, that piece of it was so enlightening for me to finally understand that little Kirsten was driving the bus big time. Now, you know, I was able to heal her because I stood up to him, but that, you know, that subconscious wounding, and being a childhood sexual abuse survivor, many of us have a tendency to replicate that mm-hmm. in adulthood. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. I just didn't know. That's what I was doing.
0: Well, and it, it also makes sense about the intuitive thing, because I think mm-hmm. it, one of the things that we do know about narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths is that they lack empathy. And it's not really something it seems like that you can, this is, um, you know, I think in a, past years, I had read that they were attributing This narcissistic, sociopathic, psychopathic personality disorder to childhood wounding or something. But really, Mm -hmm. it seems like it's just something your brain is wired a certain way and you are not wired for empathy. Yes. Which makes sense that they would be drawn like a moth to a flame to people who are highly empathic and intuitive. It's like an energy that they don't have.
1: Exactly. And they can take advantage of. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for saying that and bringing that up. That's exactly it. That's what I'm finding. So many of the survivors that are writing to me, whether they know him and they were a survivor of him Mm -hmm. or others are highly empathic, highly intelligent, put together women and men, uh, you know, because obviously the reverse can happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's that's the part that is so damaging because we feel so much shame, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I, all of us are thinking, well, how could we have, we're that intuitive. Why didn't we see this coming? Yeah. But what I feel like they do is they kind of glum on and they're basically sucking the life out of us because they are, you know, pulling out of us what it is they don't have. Yes. So I was a shell of a person uh, at the end of that relationship because I, I really did feel like. I was a battery that he would plug into and recharge himself, and the whole time I would just be drained. And actually,
0: there was the physical symptoms of this. This is another thing that Mm -hmm. I want to point out to people. You had adrenal fatigue and endocrine system issues that stemmed from high cortisol levels flooding your system over a long period of time. So I would assume if someone is experiencing adrenal fatigue or endocrine issues, Mm -hmm. perhaps that could be something that's an indicator if they're in a...
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wish that there were more studies. I need to actually look at that and see what kind of em- empirical research is out there Yeah. on that piece. But I do know, you know, if you look at even, I have um, Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid disease. Oh, yeah. And the fact mm. that for so long, my voice was stifled and the thyroid is literally in the vocal neck area. And so I, you know, I have had some luck with healing it. I Mm -hmm. am noticing that, you know, things are getting a little bit better. Uh, And I think part of that has to do with the fact that I'm being vocal about all of this and able to express myself. And it it seems to be helping to heal the thyroid.
0: Yes. Um, And one more I just want to touch on. Uh, You had memory loss. Uh, associated mm-hmm. with that period of three years, uh, like so, for example, when you were giving your TED talk, which is another thing we've not even gone into, uh, <laughs> but memorizing an eighteen-minute talk seemed challenging for you at the time yes. because of memory loss related to the abuse. Yes,
1: yes, and so you know, I had memory loss from childhood, right? So I was, yeah. that was repression, and I couldn't remember things. But you know, for most of my life, I could pass tests. I graduated from college, mm-hmm. but after that. After the three years of constant abuse, and I do believe that it has to do with all of the things you mentioned in terms of high cortisol, all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my memory just is not what it was. Mm-hmm. And this was prior to perimenopause, which is a whole nother <laughs> ballgame. <laughs> uh, but this was prior to that. So, it, I mean, I practiced that TEDx talk gosh, every day for like six months. Yeah. So yeah. that I knew that I, that I could get it down. And I still forgot to say things in yeah. a TEDx
0: talk. <laughs> that's, I've heard, but, but I've heard that from <laughs> most everyone that I've interviewed that's done a TEDx talk. So you're not alone. <laughs> well, I know we've got just a few minutes left. So I want to yes. just, um, the, for first of all, um, just share a little bit uh, about the book that we've been talking about or your story. Oh, you. So the book is Little Voices, How Kids and Spirit Helped a Reluctant Medium Escape and Heal from Abuse. Um, of course, the goodies, pre-order goodies, and being entered in the grand prize giveaway is on September 9th. So just pre-order by that date. The The official book release is September 20th. Um, to to be able to pre-order the book, I think, of course, you can find it where books are sold, but going through your website, KirstenHathcock.com. That's KirstenHathcock.com. That's spelled K-I-E-R-S-T-E-N. Hathcock, KirstenHathcock.com. So I just want to point out, because I know a lot of folks out there have a story they may want to tell. You, it took you several years to write the book. Yes. 44 rejections from publishing houses. And finally, after two years of shopping it around with uh, the most serendipitously found agent, Mm -hmm. I will add Mm -hmm. that. I mean, we're not, there's so many neat details, but two years of pitching, 44 rejections, the very last publisher on the list that you knew because of their logo i won't even mm-hmm. go into that but <laughs> you didn't give up and now here we have this book and your story uh to share so i just applaud you for that and how inspiring that journey sounds like it was
1: thank you thank <laughs> yeah. you yes it was absolutely inspiring and uh you know there were moments where throughout my entire life where you know i would get knocked down for whatever reason whether it was business shark tank mm-hmm. whatever and i found myself having to get back up again and i think that that is that's one of the things that I talk about when I speak to groups around the country, just keep going. And yes. no matter how bleak it looks, there is divine timing and things. And that is what I held on to. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can do this, no matter what has been in your background, you can heal, you yeah. can tap into your intuition and use it as a roadmap. Um, you can get back together with your husband.
0: <laughs> oh, I wasn't going to give anything away. Only, but...
1: um, um, well, I do want to point that there's a happy ending. There uh, is a very, and, happy you know, ending. in the, in the book, I don't go into detail on the cases. Just, I want to throw that out there because I know some people have been like, Ooh, I don't think I could read that. Um, I don't, as you know, yes, I don't go into a lot of grisly details. So it's, yeah. it's really a book about finding, you know, finding and healing yourself and love. And it's a love story.
0: It is. Uh, And I will just uh, close with one of my favorite quotes because you just touched on this and I wanted to read this one anyway. So I love how that works. Okay, so Kirsten writes, I will never not be amazed by how the universe works. But if I had to pinpoint one of the most basic lessons my path has taught me, it's to live in the moment like I never had before. I believe in timing and synchronicity more than I ever thought possible. And I truly believe that each soul has its own journey. I see it every day. Uh, so I just, uh, want to thank you so much for being on the show, Kirsten, such a joy to read your book and to talk with you.
1: Sonny, thank you. I I could talk to you all day. Oh, I feel the (laughs) same way. Thank
0: you so much. Wishing you all the best with the book release. And I'll just say one last time, uh, the book is Little Voices, How Kids in Spirit Helped a Reluctant Medium Escape and Heal from Abuse. Uh, September 9th is your pre-order deadline for all of the goodies and the grand prize giveaway. And the website is KirstenHathcock.com. I've been speaking with Kirsten Parsons Hathcock about her soon to be book. Um, So thanks everyone for listening. You have been listening to Sunny in Seattle. I am your host Sunny Joy signing off.